Welcome to Inside Flicks. This is a movie and TV discussion podcast created by three brothers. My name is Mike, and like always, I'm here with my two brothers, Richard and Raymond. And what we do is we try to get together on a weekly basis to talk about the movies and the television shows we just watched in the past week. In this episode, we're going to review two new film releases, the historical Black Panther Party thriller, Judas and the Black Messiah. And also, we're going to take a look at the gonzo Nicolas Cage horror flick, uh, Willy Wonderland. Willie's Wonderland. Uh, but we start things off with a little news. So let's discuss some of the major news stories that came out in the past couple of days. Let's start with, the, I guess, the biggest news of the past week was the Gina Carano story. Everyone's talking about how she just got fired by Disney for saying some really, really dumb shit online. And those who don't know uh, who is Gina Carano, she is a former MMA fighter who has since become a action film star and she was a part of the cast of the hit disney plus star wars series the mandalorian she played the hero cara dune and there was rumors that her character was going to go off on her own spin-off series but news came out that karana had made some controversial incendiary uh social media posts and she is a conservative and she is supposedly an anti anti-masker and she possibly made a transphobic remark on one of these posts as well. But her most recent post is the one that stirred the most criticism, where she kind of equated the treatment of conservatives in Hollywood to the treatment of Jews in Nazi Germany. Uh, obviously, this is a very stupid and idiotic statement. Um, let's start with Raymond. What's your what's your take on on the Gina Carano story? Um, yeah, I mean it's. It's ridiculous. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised it, it it took this long really for 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 it to happen. Mm -hmm. But um, I I don't necessarily think that um, if if she had made these comments with any other studio, that she would be getting fired. I think this is I think this is mostly just because like you know she's out of she's working for a family company, and she she's really um. A f you know, putting a negative effect on the brand, mm -hmm. on the Disney brand and on the Star Wars brand. And, you know, John Favreau and Dave Filoni had kind of just worked a miracle by taking politics kind of like out of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Like Star the, the recent Star Wars trilogy completely divided the Star, Star Wars community. It had made Star Wars political for some reason. And this had kind of, the Mandalorian had kind of, you know, erased all that. And now she brought it all back. <laughs> <laughs> well, some could argue that the original trilogy, Star Wars trilogy, was George Lucas' anti-war statement on the Vietnam War. But uh, I, I agree. But yeah. I mean, you know, t times are weird right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, well, the, I, like I said, I, 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 this is a dumb statement. She is a, d a dummy. Uh, but. I mean, but she, she, but the thing is, she, she was fighting them. She, oh, they right. gave her plenty of opportunities. Like I, she didn't. It's like almost like she didn't want to work there anymore. Yeah, that's well. The cynic in me is saying was saying that maybe she did this on purpose so she could promote her new deal because she just got a deal with uh, Daily Wire, which is a conservative website, who are now moving into. Uh, film distribution and they're going to produce her new her own movie where she's going to write star maybe direct too but uh, 
So she got a she got a job out of the, out of this. I mean, I sh- supposedly everyone should be happy by now. I mean, she's working in a place where she now could say these things freely and not get fired. But uh, yeah, look, like she's a, like I said, she's a big dummy. I think everyone in Hollywood are mostly big dummies, either from the right or for the left. I think this really, especially when you're in a hit show and you're working with Disney. Get off Twitter, man, or get off whatever social media and don't say anything, really. And that's a, that's an advice to everyone. I think yeah. uh, uh, you just got to be very careful because now they're, go- they're going after Pe- Pedro Pascal for what he has said in the past. That's and, ridiculous. And uh, I heard things about Bill Burr, you know, because he's a comic and he has, to, you know, he has, you know, he's a comic. He's a club comic. And he has said, you know, controversial things before. And so they're, you know, they're going after everybody. This just kind of like, uh, what's it called? Like a, a hornet's nest, kicking a horse's nest. And now everyone, everything's like spraying all over the place or flying all over the place. Uh, Rich, what's your t- uh, thoughts on this story? Yeah, uh, good riddance. I mean, uh, <laughs> um, I'm sure she got one uh, warned before, and I mean, yeah. uh, I, I was kind of surprised that she wasn't season two at all. So um, yeah, they should have fired her for her acting. <laughs> 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 but I mean, yeah, she she was a uh, um, she was liked. Uh, her character was liked. I mean, because she was a yeah. a powerful. She had female. a great presence on the show. But she's easily replaceable. I mean, go ahead and get mm-hmm. Ronda Rousey to replace her. I mean, it's basically the same thing. That that would make sense. Yeah, I, I was thinking it would be cool that if um, because you know uh, uh, on in the in the recent Star Wars trilogy, you know they cast um, Gwendolyn Christie and they and they kind of threw her under the bus. They they she didn't get she didn't get a proper due. And but she never showed her face. I'm like, they should bring her into the Mandalorian. Yeah, I, I like that's a good idea because they never they never showed her face, right? And 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 the Star Wars trilogy. Well, just her eyeball, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't count. <laughs> but no, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, she's totally replaceable. Actually, I think a lot of people on that cast are totally replaceable. The only person who's not <laughs> not replaceable is Baby Baby Yoda. But maybe he's secretly an anti-Semitic. I don't know. <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, Gina Carano's acting was horrible, man. I mean, you could easily replace her with a mop. You know, lean the mop up against a, a wall, and it would be the same kind of acting abilities. You know, I mean, let's let's be honest. She's not the greatest actor. She's not a good actress. I mean, and Steven Soderbergh had to dub over her entire performance in Haywire. <laughs> but yeah, but she is a great physical action star and i think that's what made her special in this series uh but uh yeah it, it replaced her with another stunt woman you know there, you know who's the who's the kill bill stunt woman oh zoe bell zoe, zoe bell yeah and there's a whole bunch of younger uh stunt women who could easily act better than her i would love to see uh, zoe bell in the star wars franchise yeah yeah so yeah she's a big dummy <laughs> she said <does> some <laughs> stupid stuff i you know here's a hot take i don't think she was fired she was just wasn't rehired, and I think that's a difference. I mean, she was hired for two seasons. She did the job, and because of what she had said in these posts, they just didn't want to hire again. And yeah, I think I that's mean, oh, that's it, to- but, totally appropriate. They just didn't want to. It's, it's so crazy though, because she was going to get her own show, man. Yeah, I, know. I, no, I, I, I mean, just don't understand how she could how she could do this. Like, that's yeah, just it's, a rumor. I mean, uh, I would think that she was going to be part of the. Um, the uh, the one where they're going to deal with the 
She was even the Rangers. Show, right, right, right. So she'd be in character in that. But still, it, it, she can't carry a whole show by herself. No, there's no way impossible. She was going to be the lead character, supposedly. But I guess now they'll just rewrite rewrite it. And I bet that's the thing. Star Wars on Disney Plus has gotten pretty popular with this season. And I think an actress like Rosario Dawson joining the franchise opens the door for like any any actor to to come join the show oh, sure star wars yeah. isn't it star wars isn't at the place it was you know when uh ryan johnson and jj abrams were doing it back then you know no one wanted to do a star wars movie <laughs> it was uh everyone was kind of scared because of like the 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 community and the reaction to the film oh i see it was it was very but, divisive and they might have a, yeah, a, a negative impact on your career or something like that yeah, they were struggling to get to even talent involved, and mm. I, I think um, now everybody wants to work in Star Wars again, and they could easily get um, Game of Thrones uh, alumni to join the cast. Right. Yeah, yeah. Moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the type of actors I want to see on the shows. Uh, Raymond, you mentioned that you have a uh, a Cara Dune to uh, a toy. Oh yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah, let's a, talk a about black that. <laughs> black series action figure. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a completist when it comes to uh, my collecting <laughs> and um like i had to get the the car car dune figure back when it came out um i remember um you know it's just like a 20 dollar action figure was it harder I, I was, mean, it hard, it was, was it harder to find or was yeah it, it was hard to find it was a hard to find one it was it was on ebay always selling for like 50 bucks so oh. i was able to find one in in store for like 20 dollars oh, okay uh, I, I was happy with it um, I always kept I kept all of my Mandalorian uh, six inch figures in packaging because um, I have, I just haven't I haven't I'm lazy <laughs> to yeah. display them. Um, but um, that Cara Dune figure is like selling for a hundred and sixty dollars now, and I'm like, should should I sell it? <laughs> like, because if I sell it, I'm I'm going to sell all of them because that's going to break the collection. Oh, <laughs> uh, I see. How much you sell? How much you bought it for originally? Twenty dollars. Yeah, sell it, sell it, sell it. Yeah, so I'm gonna sell my whole collection. Yeah, sell your whole collection. I think that's uh. All right, all right. Also, because mm -hmm. I'm I'm keeping all my hot toys. They never made a car doing hot toys. <laughs> <laughs> Rich, what 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 should Raymond do? Uh, yeah, sell it now. Sell it when it, <laughs> sell right. it when it's hot. Yeah, yeah. All um, right, I'll mm -hmm. I'll sell all my Mandalorian figures then. I'll I'll just keep the hot toys. Yeah, because. Uh, they're gonna. I mean, they're gonna carry on with another set of figures anyway. I mean, I mean. Not, I don't think no. they're gonna make any more of her, man. Oh no, not of her, of course, no. But Mandalorian, the, the new. Oh yeah. Season, yeah. You think there's a possibility that they might recast her? No, I, it's very easy to write her off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they could still pay respect to the character. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's she's. They don't have to even kill her or anything like that. They she, could she was write a off. Sheriff. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I'd rather have. Um, uh, what's justified back? Whatever. What's his name? Um, oh, oh yeah, I really liked him, Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, he, I mean, he was he was surprisingly great. Yeah, <laughs> you mean have uh, a spinoff series on him with him? Yeah, absolutely. Or just bring him back to the show. <laughs> sure. Uh, uh, all right, so let's get to our next uh, uh, topic. And speaking of the Mandalorian, there's another big news of the week was that Pedro Pascal has been tapped to star in the HBO forthcoming adaptation of the hit Naughty Dog video game, The Last of Us. He will star alongside fellow Game of Thrones alum, 17-year-old uh, British actress Bella Ramsey. She is probably best known for playing the fierce young noblewoman, uh, Liana Mormont, who appeared in the last three, uh, last three seasons of Game of Thrones. 
the video game is extremely popular. Uh, Raymond, did you ever play this game, The Last of Us? I, I played the first. I beat the first one, and uh, it, it was it's phenomenal. It's a great story, and uh, it's 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 a, it's a great video game would make for a great series. And uh, I I I played part of part two, but I, I never finished it. Yeah, so it's set in a post-apocalyptic United States, and there's an outbreak which has turned people into kind of like zombies, but not zombies. Uh, they're they're kind of like infected attackers or aggressors or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and then I guess pa- Pascal will be play. He's going to play Joel, and he's a hardened survivor who is hired to smuggle a young teenage girl named Ellie, uh, played by Bella Ramsey, and they're they're trekking across a deadly quarantine zone. And I guess this is very much like uh, the Walking Dead. And I guess these two strangers eventually learn to rely on each other and become an inseparable unit. Um, would you say this is kind of like the Walking Dead, Raymond? Uh, for me, the experience I'd say was kind of like I, more like Logan with with like these type of creatures. Oh, okay. okay. Like it was more it was more emotional than something like Walking Dead. Okay. Well, yeah. So it's a, the the series is going to be for HBO, and it's executive produced by acclaimed screenwriter Craig Mazin, who also wrote and created the award winning HBO miniseries Chernobyl. And the pilot is going to be directed by the Russian director Kantemir Belagov, who also previously directed the 2019 Cannes-winning drama Beanpole, which was a film that a lot of the critics uh, liked that year. Um, yeah, this is an interesting project. Rich, what's your thoughts on The Last of Us uh, HBO series? Uh, I think uh, Craig Mazin did a phenomenal job in Chernobyl. I mean, um, they got a premise with this Last of Us. But to write something out of it, I mean, a whole series on it, that's going to be a, a, you know, a hill to climb. And um, Craig did some The Hangover <laughs> 2 and 3. Uh, he also wrote Identity Thief with uh, Melissa McCarthy. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and, and the two scary movies, 3 and 4. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's very odd that he ended up doing I don't know Chernobyl. how he did Chernobyl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, I'm hoping uh I'm hoping the best for it. <laughs> so, are you excited to see Pedro Pascal finally in a series where we can see his face? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he's good he's a good choice and um I'm hoping Bella Ramsey because in the in the in the, the video game it's um uh Yeah, it, I, it, I, it, it was a young girl and and, and Bella Ramsey is I think she's 17 and she's getting older. And if exactly. it's, it's going to be a long gated, you know, or, you know, multiple seasons, uh, I don't know how that's going to fit in. She's, she's a that. lot older in the second game. Oh, okay. 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 So maybe that's, that's what it is then. She probably just looks young. Cause I mean, Game of Thrones wasn't that long ago and she looked really like a child in that, in that <laughs> that's, series. That's so true. She, she probably still looks really young. And then um, by the time they get to season two, I think it'll, uh, it'll it'll move along at the, uh, the right pace. Well, I like to grow you, at, the, at the with the series. I liked how you de- you described this as Logan, and I if that's the case, then I'm yeah I'm looking forward to this. I think that's a, a but pretty cool Logan with like maybe like Walking Dead type of violence. Oh, okay, very gory then. Yeah, it's extremely gory. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, we're looking forward to it. I, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, who, who knows what's going on? But yeah, looking forward to it. Let's get to our next uh, topic. Another video game turning into a movie. It's the Borderlands. It's in apparently that's in the works at Lionsgate, 
And this is another film adaptation of a popular first-person shooter video game franchise uh, set on a planet called Pandora. And I guess this is described as a Western sci-fi fantasy and it revolves around hostile aliens, assassins, robots, prisoners, and renegade soldiers. Jack Black has been cast to voice Claptrap. And this is a small, sarcastic yellow robot that apparently is the de facto mascot of the franchise. Uh, horror filmmaker Eli Roth is directing the film. And Black joins an already impressive cast that includes Kate Blanchett, Kevin Hart, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Craig Mezin, who we just mentioned, uh, is, is just wrote, the, uh, wrote the, the latest draft of the film's screenplay. So he, I guess he's the go-to video game guy when you need a, someone <laughs> to adapt uh, a film or a project. Uh, Raymond, did you did you play this game before too? No, I haven't played this game. Um, I I own all of them though. <laughs> <laughs> I seen the I seen the artwork. I seen I, when I looked it up. I oh I seen this before, but yeah, apparently it's very kind of like I guess I don't know like a yeah like they said a, a western like a violent western f- fantasy world where I just people just kill each other. I guess. That's the whole idea. Yeah, I'm down for it. I mean, it, it always seemed to me kind of like a, uh, well, I never played the game, but it, from from the trailers and stuff, it always seemed kind of like a, um, what's that Wes Craven movie, The uh, Hills? Um, the Hills Have Eyes? Yes, like, like something like Hills Have Eyes, or like Mad Mad Max. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Eli Roth. I'm, I'm assuming this is going to be gory. I'm assuming this is going to probably be dark, darkly comic. Maybe he just worked with Jack Black and Kate Blanchett on the la- his last movie, the the house with the clock in his walls, which was mm-hmm. much more family friendly comedy, horror comedy. He's been really trying to do different genres and stuff. Yeah, this is the you know although he's you know he's known as the horror guy, this seems to be more fantasy sci- sci-fi, and he's trying to do something different here. Uh, Rich, what's yeah, your th- I hope it's good, man. Rich, what's your thoughts on on this project? Uh, bury it now. No, stop <laughs> stop it at all costs. It's, it's going to be a piece of crap. I mean, Eli Roth is is got a trip. He is the best bullshitter around. He's he is he is a he's a great producer. He's he can he knows, sell he, he could sell ice to Eskimos, <laughs> but when it comes to directing and writing or whatever, being behind the camera, forget about. It. I mean. Uh, he's a hell of a nice guy, I'm sure. But when it comes to talent, it's not there, man. It's not there. <laughs> well, you and know what? I I wish Eli Roth directed Willie's Wonderland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we get to that soon. Okay. okay. Uh, uh, all right. So in other Disney news, let's get to uh, Disney has, has decided to shut down Blue Sky Studios. This is the animated... <clears throat> This is the animated uh, company that that was behind such blockbusters as the Ice Age franchise, Real One and Two, Horton Hears a Who, and the Peanuts movie. Their last feature animated film was Spies in Disguise with Will Smith and Tom Holland, which I guess it didn't do that well in the box office, but I think it made its money. Uh, because of this, uh, because of this decision, Blue Sky has has been forced to halt the production of their la- latest animated film Nimona which had only 10 months left of its production and uh so this is a terrible story because uh employees are going to lose their jobs in April that's it will be the last day for them uh your thoughts rich they sh- they should have knew it was coming <laughs> i mean uh if they can't make you know 
a feature film with, uh, I mean, a, a hit movie with uh, Will Smith and Tob Holland um, at their peak, you know, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, if they can't, you know, sell sell a movie to kids with those two. Uh, well, that's a, it was an odd concept. <laughs> I mean, he, he turned yeah, into a pigeon. I mean, so stop it. <laughs> I mean, uh, you, but, I mean, kids love weird concepts, man. Uh, you just have to market it right and do it right. And I, I, I think Blue Sky lost it a long time ago, man. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a, I'm a huge fan of animation. I'm always rooting for these type of movies, uh, even if it is a children's film that's not necessarily targeted towards me. I, I you know, I, but Blue Sky movies are, are are terrible, right? I mean, like I remember really. I, I till this day, I still think the first Ice Age was a good kids movie. Yeah, but Ice every Age. every everything since then has just gotten worse and worse for them. And I just completely stopped with Blue Sky. I can't even. I can't. I can't even bother with them anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I and I root for these type of movies, um, but. I, I I don't blame Disney. I it's it's certainly yeah. what's the uh, Illuminaries Entertainment. That's was the the other animated company. Uh, Illumination. Oh, Illumination. So uh, uh, okay. uh, Illumination Entertainment just certainly came in and really kind of stole the their thunder. I mean, uh, Blue Sky for uh, at a certain point where like the like the the straight up alternative to Pixar or to some of the Disney films. They were doing some really big stuff. But then Illumination came in and really kind of stole their, the, you know, their, like I said, their thunder. And yeah, they, they haven't really recovered from that, unfortunately. Because I remember when Blue, Star, Blue Sky started, Chris Wedge, who is uh, the animator, the award-winning animator, he does the voice of Scrat. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember he directed the short in, in 1998 called Bunny. It was, a, it was a, an Oscar winner. It won for best animated short, mm-hmm. and um, it was awesome. It, it came out like four years after Toy Story, the first Toy Story, and it, it to me that was so in, inventive and, and innovative because it, it, Toy Story, of course, Toy Story was groundbreaking, but it had that plastic look where Bunny was using fur for the first time, and it, mm-hmm. it looked great. And, it, and unfortunately, it just didn't. Chris Wedge didn't live up to the, his potential and um of course this is the the cause of a, of a merger between fox and disney and this is the downside of that um hopefully these employees these animators because i think they're still talented could get some jobs you know maybe a netflix or something uh you know whoever i just hope but it's yeah it's a horrible horrible I story think th- i think they're all going i think they're all going to get work because um yeah it's there's still so many there's house. so many opportunities there's so many opportunities i think now for animation and i think even in disney they have so many different uh divisions like for it there's also television all of those te- television shows for the children's shows are all like computer animated now mm-hmm. i mean there's there's a there's a ton of opportunities i think for for animators these days and i think if they're talented and they have you know blue sky on their resume I think I think they'll get work. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, they did. They did other things than than uh, uh, they did some just special, straight animation. I mean, they did some special effects early on. Right. And, and, and the Peanuts movie was very good, also. So oh, I never saw that one. Yeah. So um, yeah. So sad story. Rest in peace. Rest in power. Blue Sky Studios. 
Um, yep. They, they, they started off strong. They started off strong. Uh, let's get into some really quick bits because uh, we're running out of time. We don't want to stretch this out longer. Uh, real quick, Rich, do you love Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Sure. Doug Lyman's action comedy. Yeah. All right. Would you be happy to know that Amazon is turning that into a new series? No. <laughs> How about this? It's going to star Donald Glover. Hell no. <laughs> and it's going to star Phoebe Waller-Bridge, both who start in, in the solo film. Oh, God. <laughs> you don't like that idea? No. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I don't like it either. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's in the works. And apparently, Donald Glover is really good friends with Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And, you know, like I said, they, they worked on solo together. And, you know, they're going to be playing a married couple who are surprised to learn they are both international assassins. And so, uh, yeah, that's good. I can't can't buy either one of them as assassins, especially not Donald Glover. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is is so weird. But look, when I I read the article about this, I think they mentioned that... um, there's going to be a twist to it that there's a spin to it it's not it's not going to be what we think and if that means that i don't know like maybe they're in in, in an insane asylum <laughs> they're, they're crazy they're crazy patients or something like that and it's just like all hallucin uh, a hallucinogenic um dream they're having a shared dream they're having then i don't know maybe that could work <laughs> I don't know. There's there, there's a spin to it. I think okay. I read that correctly. Oh, I, I didn't read that, but oh, maybe. All right, let's get into trailer talk now. Uh, they just released the full trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice League. This is going to be an epic four-hour-long R-rated director's cut of the 2017 DC superhero team movie that features Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, Jason Momoa, Ezra Miller, uh, Ray Fisher, and um, Henry Cavill. And uh, uh, Rich, what's your what's your thoughts on the, the watching the full trailer? Sure, I mean, more special effects, yay! <laughs> I mean, uh, just yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it did feature uh, some a new footage here or a new scene where they apparently Zack Snyder brought back Jared Leto to reprise his uh, Joker from mm-hmm. the Suicide Squad in a, a dream sequence with uh, Affleck's Batman. The, sure. Do you like that scene? I think they should have never teased the photos. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I should have, they should have just brought the trailer first and then go ahead and, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, let them get nominated again for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Raymond, what's your thoughts on the Justice League full trailer? Uh, well, I think we talked about Justice League on um, last week's episode. And, maybe two years, or maybe it was maybe two weeks up, two weeks ago. Yeah, I I was I was starting to you know get pretty excited for this movie. If you you go back and listen, but um, after seeing this trailer, I'm I'm kind of worried again. Uh, I'm I'm getting I'm getting Batman versus Superman vibes, mm. <laughs> which should make sense, I guess. But I'm I'm worried that this movie is really all just going to be set up for Justice League Part Two, a movie that we're never. Going to <laughs> yeah. see. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah. And it frustrates me a lot because like Batman vs Superman was all set up for I thought this movie, <laughs> <laughs> but it looks like no, the he he made two movies full of setup for this film that's never going to get made. <laughs> 
Well, we'll I mean, we'll, we're definitely going to watch it. It comes out on March 18th on HBO Max. It's a, it's a, it's kind of like an exclusive premiere. Um, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I mean, it, it looks like the same movie. It's the same plot. And I mean, how, what how, more? What more can you add? What more can you change? I, I mean, yeah, they're going to add maybe a subplot. Yeah. They'll. Add, they'll they're going to add the nightmare sequence stuff, but really, like. We're not going to see like all the stuff he's teased for. I don't. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm assuming this is going to be very bloated, very yeah. overstuffed with a lot of nonsense. But I think that's his trademark, or that's that's him. <laughs> that's how he ro- rolls. I think this is not going to change anyone's mind about Justice League. I think people are still going to pretty much going to say it's a, a mediocre film. But, um, you know, for his fans, they're they're dying to see this. And I think they're just going to be convinced that it's going to be a good movie no matter what. Um, for me, I, look, it's, it's you know, I have HBO Max. I paid for it for six months already, for the, you know. And so I'm, yeah, I'm glad that it's coming out this year, you know. Yeah, I'll, but I'll I kind of wish he would just like release like a like a two and a half hour version of it. Like, this. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's I, yeah, there's no need for this to be four hours. Well, but then again, we have to see it. We have to see it. Maybe we watch it and we're like, wow, I don't know what you could you could have cut of that movie. Like, it was all essential. <laughs> I don't think that's I don't think that's going to happen. But maybe it's possible. <laughs> Um, yeah, so let's get to another trailer that came out during the Super Bowl. It was the Super Bowl spot for M Night's new film old and this is about an ordinary family who's trying to enjoy a, a summer day at a secluded beach they soon discover the beach is cursed and it's causing everyone to age at a rapid pace and it stars mexican actor gail garcia bernal and german actress vicky kripes she's from phantom thread and also there's also alex wolf is in the cast he's from hereditary and thomason mckenzie she's the young girl from jojo rabbit uh raymond what's your thoughts on old well it's a quick little tease if i'm not mistaken i think this is like a 15 second maybe 30 second teaser mm-hmm. yeah um but I think it looks awesome. I think it looks really cool. It looks it looks fun. I'm I'm curious what the hell's going on. And um, yeah, I mean, I I, I hope I hope I, we get to see it because I mean, who who knows if it's going to get released? <laughs> yeah. So so far, it's it's scheduled to be released in theaters in July. Rich, what's your thoughts on old? Well, I guess it's based on a graphic novel, so hopefully there's more to it. Uh, but it looks like a lost. It looks like a, some kind of. Lost meets some kind of, you know, Twilight Zone-ish, more Twilight Zone-ish. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, M. Knight's kind of, he's known for making these little kind of small, you know, ideas and turning them into a great, you know, film, or a, at least a great experience watching these films. Like, obviously, this is a kind of like a metaphor or like a, or it's a parable of, of the fear of getting old or aging really quickly or, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, it seems interesting. I mean, I, I'm I'm, sh- I'm shocked that he's and also you know this is the first time it, it's like has an international cast, which makes it a little bit different than M Night's past movies, because most of his movies are kind of set in Philadelphia. This has right. this has like a European feel to it, so that's that's also interesting for me. Um, well, we'll see. I mean, I, yeah, it's a little teaser, and uh, I was shocked that it came out, but so far I'm interested. All right, let's get into um, what we saw this week 
obviously we're going to talk about the the latest episode of WandaVision. But uh, before that, is there anything you, Rich, you want to talk about? Is there anything you saw this week? Uh, the pilot, the pilot episode of, uh, or whatever, the uh, first episode of Clarice, the um, on CBS. This is uh, the the uh, Science of the Lambs sequel series. Yes, which stars a, I guess, uh, a, a newcomer, uh, an mm-hmm. Australian actress, Rebecca Bre- Rebecca, Rebecca Breeds, Rebecca Breeds, and she's FBI agent Clarice Starling. And uh, so, well, what's your thoughts on on this uh, this this first episode? Well, I knew it was uh, created or whatever, written by uh, Alex Kurtzman, which was which is definitely a minus. <laughs> and um, but I knew it also had uh, Michael Cutlets, who I'm a big fan of since, since the Walking Dead days. And I wanted to be good. I wanted it to be good enough to, for CBS, mm-hmm. and it is certainly not. <laughs> and, and it's just another um, Alex Kurtzman, you know, taking that paycheck and <laughs> you know. Uh, ruining another franchise or whatever that you know just you were very disappointed by it uh but i was knew was i knew what was getting into it within when you when you have alex kurtzman involved I even mean, with the, the, the state well, even with your expectations low you were still disappointed yeah because it's the silence of the lambs how could you not <laughs> it's the silence of the lambs it's the biggest movie of you know one of the biggest thrillers of you know your generation and all you got to do is you know follow a certain style and with Clary Starling and they totally and, dropped the ball. You're saying, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's so out of Kurtzmanson, you know, what's so, so bad about it. Exactly. Though. Like, the, why should I not watch the show? The writing, the direction <laughs> and the, the casting of Rebecca breeds as Clarice. I, I, you know what I did? I also saw this episode and uh, I, I don't think it was her fault. I mean, no, but it, the characters don't feel right. Right. And, I mean, and, but if it was a better Clarice, it, she could, she could make it um, the show her, her own, whatever, basically. Yeah. She could appeal to it uh, more, but, um, but if you're just doing a, a bad imitation, then you're not, you're, you're, you're out. And it's very stylized with the horror and the flashbacks. They're cl- yeah. close-ups of of a moth. You know, there's close-ups. Oh, up, yeah. You know, these these insert cuts that make it s- supposedly make it look spooky, but it is not. The um, Night Stalker did that. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. It's very much like the Night Stalker documentary. But that I mean that was a, <laughs> that was a documentary. You know, this is you know it was playing up the melodrama of the, the of the horror and the psychological stuff. But yeah. Uh, it wasn't as good because I, you know what, I saw the 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 Equalizer after the Super Bowl, the <laughs> Equalizer reboot with Queen Latifah. <laughs> what? It was right after the Super Bowl, and it was I... the it was the it was Queen Latifah is playing uh, Robin McCall, not Robert McCall, but Robin McCall, and she's you know she takes on the role of ex operative who moon, moonlights as a vigilante. And, you know, when I saw the trailer for it, I go, oh, that's weird. But, you know, let me see. Because my fear was like, am I going to believe that Queen Latifah is going to kick ass? And so there's a scene in the in the pilot episode where she has to fight off five people in a room. <laughs> and 
they do it in a way where it's you know the cut real you know real quick where she like kicks her leg and then they and then she starts shooting people and I go yeah okay that makes sense. It, it, it wasn't that bad, and it's a pretty decent CBS procedural thriller where it's like you you know what it is. It's a it's a victim of the week where she has to help somebody, someone in, innocent who's in trouble. It has that spirits of a uh, person of interest, which is a CBS show that I really lo- liked when it came uh, when it was on a couple years ago. It was it was fun. It was fun. It, it's not it's not groundbreaking at all, but it was it was fine, and uh, um. So, and I also like Queen, Queen Latifah. She's, she's, she's cool. <laughs> you know, I watching her, you know, I've, I've been watching her for a long time. I I remember her as a rapper and, I, and so to see her like to start in this like very mainstream show, it's like, oh, wow. What's a, what a journey. Actually yeah, made She's it, truly the new IT. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> or Ella Kuja, who's also another uh, CBS show. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's like, she, this is, uh, that's, it made me feel old because, you know, I have, I remember when she was very young, when she was a rapper, uh, we, I remember we went to the uh, concert where we saw her and yeah, she, she replaced heavy D and I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> she was wearing the a warming, the, the warm up acts. Mm-hmm. What was it for? It was public enemy and ice cube. Is that what it was? Yeah. Public the, enemy and, uh, 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 ice cube, right? Yeah. But there was also um, at the um, Greek theater, the, the digital underground, and uh, uh, I believe yeah. it was yeah house party or whatever. Um, Kid and play, play? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a whole bunch of uh, rappers at the time, and um, yeah, to see her go from there and then now like in a mainstream show, I was I, that made me really kind of made me smile and like wow. First, I'm getting very old, <laughs> and second, Queen Latifah is like a mainstream uh, star now. You know, yeah. Um, I want to really quick just mention uh, I also saw Crime Scene The Vanishing at Cecil Hotel this is a four part documentary series for Netflix that just came out uh, this is produced by Ron Howard and Brian Glazer and this is also directed by the acclaimed documentarian Joe Berlinger who also did the Ted Bundy tapes he also co-directed the Paradise Lost uh, documentary series uh, which you know these are good films they are very or at least acclaimed uh, documentaries so I was really eager to watch this and the first episode was (laughs) very overly produced I mean I was really shocked how overly produced this was you know it was like were they were there FBI's putting uh lotions in the baskets <laughs> no not that bad but i mean uh, raymond you probably will have a tough time watching the first episode because it was like it's more produced than night stalker yeah it was more it was like it too like they cranked it up to a 12 is that possible <laughs> it, it was it is but but then i saw episode two and then i saw three i haven't finished it there's an episode four but i haven't uh uh but i got really got into the story and now, so this is a, I, I think this is the first installment of an anthology, anthology series where they're going to explore like crime scenes, famous crime scenes or notorious crime scenes in America. And this one uh, is set in uh, Cecil Hotel in downtown Los Angeles. And this really kind of explores the really disturbing story of this 21-year-old uh, female college student from Canada who came here to Los Angeles for a visit in 2013 and then went missing her name was uh elisa lamb and she is 
quite known now because the, her story kind of took over the internet. It was a big mystery, and it kind her story kind of sparked a whole bunch of online theories, a lot of internet internet sleuths trying to find out uh, find out what happened to her. And it is a eerie, eerie and shocking story about her. And how she just came to stay in Los Angeles for a couple of days and just went missing. And there's a footage of her, the last footage of, last known footage of her, where we see her come into the elevator of the Cecil Hotel. And we see her come in, hide, looking, looking like she's hiding from somebody. She jumps out. She comes back in. She presses the, the, the buttons on the, on the elevator. She jumps back. And she kind of take, takes off, and that's the last thing we saw we ever seen of her. And this video got uh, was released online, and it became. What do you mean? She got on the elevator, she got off, then back on, then off. Yeah, and multiple, then left. Yeah, multiple times. Like it looks like she but like was, off in different and different uh, levels. Oh no no or? no! It was it didn't move. The eleva- elevator didn't oh, shut the doors. Okay. It just was on the same floor. And it, it's just very strange to see this kind of behavior from a from a, a woman who seemed normal. Uh, it seemed like she was hiding or it seemed like maybe she's talking to somebody or whatever. It just was very bizarre. And the video uh, went online uh, as a part of uh, the police in, in investigation. They were trying to get uh, public to, you know, if you've seen this woman, call the, uh, call the cops. And it, from that video, it kind of blew up at the internet, and people just started to really come up with theories and and what you know, like it's it's so it's the the, the story of the, the the you know the story of did uh, they ever find her? Yeah, I don't want to give it away because it's very okay. interesting, and it's the the story is so compelling that I would I would recommend this this show. I haven't finished it; it's one more episode, but it's very very eerie, and I would say if you want to get really spooky. Watch it at late at night on your laptop in your bed, <laughs> and you would be freaked out. I mean, it's so it's good. All it's right, a- Grandpa. <laughs> What's it called again? Crime Scene: The Vanishing at Cecil Hotel, and it's out right. now on Netflix. So I would recommend that. Uh, Raymond, are you watching anything right now? I am, but I'll talk about them next week because I, I still want to finish a couple things. All right. All right. Before we review the two new uh, film releases, let's get into a quick review of the latest episode of WandaVision, which is a series that we are continually watching. Um, it's episode six. It's all. New, it's called the all new Hollywood Spectacular. Halloween Spectacular. Oh, did I say? <laughs> what did I say? Christmas? All- Hollywood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Halloween spectacular. It's a yes. It's the Halloween special kind of, and it's uh this spoofs like the '90s, early 2000s shows. Like it's definitely a, just a Malcolm in the Middle kind of send up, right? Yeah. And uh, I'll start real quick. Uh, you know, because I said last last episode after watching last episode, I was really kind of fed up with the with the series, and I was gonna, if I could, I probably would would stop watching. Thank God I didn't because I really enjoyed this episode. I think this one, this is the episode that got it right. They got the, the 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 spoof right. It was funny, and they got like all the like the mystery right. It was this you know this was generally creepy at some parts where where you know we see Vision, uh, you know we see Vision uh, taking a look at the at this at the town. Uh, this was the one that it, I've been waiting for. This is a great episode. This is probably the best episode of the whole season. And I, like I said, this is the one that got it right. I They got the spoof right. They got the Malcolm in the Middle right. It, it was great. And the addition of this new a- actor or character was great. 
He brought a lot of fun. Well, I think to... everyone knows who it is at this point. Right now. <laughs> okay, I don't want to spoil anything, <laughs> but it's uh, it's it's a. Okay. Uh, well, I'll say it's Quicksilver, and uh, the his 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 the, he was great. I mean, just the the, the everything was good. I loved this episode. Was uh, it was it really Quicksilver that that did it for you? I think he he made it funny. I think he made it really funny. And no, 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 no. I, I mean, I love the kids when they were talking. They're basically talking a point of view. They're like a Malcolm the, the in the Middle. Frankie Muniz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love the commercial. And, you know, because every episode has I like, didn't get the commercial, man. I I was so confused by it. <laughs> yeah. This one was not. Yo, Magic? Yeah. This was not like a clue heavy it just i think it got the parody of a of what you would have seen it at a commercial in the 90s it was just reminding me of something that that would it also were... kind of just felt like a a, a comedy sketch because yeah, it yeah. was like it involved like the, a child dying of hunger like of starvation yeah oh well, i mean yeah and it's and it's done in that claymation style that was so kind of prevalent in the 90s and the early 2000s it was like one of those things that that they everyone did like a sports yeah. drink or whatever it was but well, ever since the um uh grapevine uh, videos whatever the uh yeah <laughs> or the uh yeah yeah the raisins the raisins yeah, raisins. Raisins. yeah. <laughs> rich what's your thoughts on on this episode of one division no yeah it's the best one yet i mean it's the one that only took what not even five minutes on to do a, a spoof uh whatever in the the television uh aspect of it mm-hmm. and the 90s um it, it only took five minutes of the of the the whole episode, which is nothing, which is great. That's how they should have been from the beginning. It was like <laughs> half, right? No, I mean they went they went straight from that uh, opening sequence where he's talking, to the kids are talking to the camera, and that's it. And then they went out. Uh, no, but to, they, they kept coming back to it. I mean, like you know, during during Halloween, there was a little bit of it. Like I don't think it really quite really split up until until Vision kind of. Split from the family. Oh wait, as I well, that's so never mind. Split. <laughs> Erase that. Erase that. <laughs> no, once they went, once they went out uh, trick or treating, that's when uh, you know it's it's too, it's on with the show, right? It becomes more of the mystery, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, once it turned nighttime, once it turned evening, yeah. And also, that's what I also love the fact that we got to see what Wanda is thinking a little bit in here, and she is kind of. We don't know if she's in control of this reality. Well, she, I mean, she is, but she's not. But she's not. I mean, we got a little, a little more insight where the other episodes we didn't even know what was going on. I like that she was able to talk to somebody. She was talking to Quin, uh, Quicksilver about her her inner, you know, feelings about what what she had to do. And so that's what I was waiting for. I think that's the reason why I didn't wasn't able to connect to the other episodes. Because I wasn't able to see her point of view. Now, I got a little bit of that point of view in this episode. Uh, Raymond, what's your thoughts on, on this episode? Oh, yeah. I, I, I love that episode. Um, I've really been enjoying the series, <laughs> the entire <laughs> series. But um, I, I really enjoyed this episode uh, comedy-wise because, I mean, they're spoofing one of my favorite childhood sitcoms. And um, they like like you were saying, they do they nailed it. It was, yeah. like, it was a perfect spoof. Um, and it, I don't know. Um, the, the, the storyline is, um, you know, it, it's progressing and it's, it's got me in the edge of my seat. It's got me wanting to see more. I'm always kind of like counting down like the minutes to the next episode. Like I, I watched these episodes now, like at, um, at, you well, know, the, the minute, they, the minute they, they, they pop online. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to do that again with uh, Friday's episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that I, I kept it. I mean, I didn't give up on it because this was this actually made me more really excited for the, the next couple of episodes. And you were saying and that it's going to be hour long episodes. Yeah. You were now. saying that these are going to be extra long, the next couple of episodes. Yeah. It should be uh, hopefully triple the length because they've only been 20 minutes. Yeah, I know. It, you know, the, and this was a, a little bit longer than usual, right? This was like maybe 30 was minutes. Maybe, I'm not sure. Maybe. Yeah, they, so, have, they have long credits, man. Their credits yes. are like 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> the end credits, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we, I guess we all agree that this is the best one of the se- the season so far. And uh, we're very excited for the next episode. I also really loved episode four, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I did like that. I just did not like last episode. and I liked it. <laughs> but uh, I'm back. I'm back. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good okay. about this one. All right. Cool. So there we go. Um, let's get on to our... Reviews, movie reviews. <laughs> what should we start with? We should should we start with Willy <laughs> Willy's Wonderland? Do it. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Willy's Wonderland. You spend the night cleaning Willy's Wonderland, and I will pay to have your car fixed. Deal. You are officially on staff. Let's get the hell out of here. I can't stand to hear a grown man scream. Uh, this is a, uh, a horror film that stars Nicolas Cage. And he is a kind of a, a leather jacket wearing drifter who barely talks. Right? I don't think he talks at all, actually. And he uses his fist of fury to fight off an array of creepy demon possessed animatronic mascots. And in, in, uh, in this kind of really kind of out there gonzo horror flick and uh this is supposedly is trying to be a throwback to some of that 80s horror stuff but i think it really comes comes off as like a really cheesy b movie rich what's your thoughts on willie wonderland watching the trailer once uh, i knew i was getting into and um uh, i'm just gonna say this it's not that bad oh Uh, wow yeah um Yes, it's 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 ridiculous. Of course, it's 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 Rage Cage at his best, but it's inventive, and I'm I know I, I kind of like the cinematography. Really? Mm-hmm. It's a cheap movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's quick. It's basically a a, a grindhouse film. And, yeah. And for from from that alone, it's okay. I mean. Uh, Nicholas Cage is basically playing like a Popeye character um, who eats a spinach or That's whatever true. this, this way. It's, true, it's, yeah. it's, it's uh, he's drinking an energy drink and gives him, you know, you know, brute strength. Yeah. Or he's, whatever. The thing is that he, he's driving in, in a car. He, he, he gets it. Yeah. It's car, it's car trouble. Who gets, who gets gets stranded? He gets stranded yeah. in a small town. He, he gets he, offered to clean up this uh, Chuck E. Cheese, cheese of a place. Yeah, over to overnight to pay off his bills on repairing his car, and uh, the animatronics in the in the in the building comes to life at the at the night and starts killing yes, people. And he's the character who has to figure out a way to survive the night. It's and, night of the museum meets Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> the horror kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so this is directed by a B movie filmmaker Kevin Lewis, who I I never really heard, and I'm not very very impressed by his work in this film. It, it really comes off very very low budget. Yes, I agree, but it's Nicolas Cage 
he's the hero and i and i and i found him to be rage cage <laughs> he's awesome <laughs> okay the the kids ridiculous yeah horrible right they're, yeah they're, uh, but you know they're barely there I mean, that's they, not true at all. <laughs> no, 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 no. They get just. They're just, in the movie more. I felt they were in the movie more than Nicolas Cage. Well, maybe because he doesn't talk. Maybe that's because Nicolas Cage never talks. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that could be. But, um, Dude, that, this movie was garbage. We, it, true. But there's it's not, more time spent watching Nicolas Cage play pinball than there is even, <laughs> even watching Nicolas there's Cage There's more inventiveness in this than, than Kevin Smith's Tusk. No, I can tell you that. No, there isn't. Tusk had Tusk had great cinematography for a low budget horror film. Tusk had creativity in 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 so many aspects. This had this had a premise, yeah. And they did absolutely nothing with it, man. I, this movie actually really pissed me off because I feel like that the only reason that this movie exists was because they knew the Five Nights at Freddy's movie was coming out. And they were like, "Oh, we just need to, we just need to beat them to it. We need, we need to make them, we need to cash in on that first. I, I don't and they just made the, they <laughs> just made the laziest piece of crap they could possibly come up with. I wouldn't be surprised if they wrote this movie in thirty minutes. I mean, no, pro they probably wrote this movie while sitting on the shitter. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, and I, I pray to God that the that the Five Nights at Freddy's movie is better than this. I mean." The people making that movie rent this film just to take notes of what not to do. I mean, they had Nicolas Cage and he didn't do crap. <laughs> he was so Nicolas, boring. That's Nicolas Cage. I mean, that's why I, I hated his character. I hated his character. Well, I, I hated his character. And then, and then there's this weird thing where he has this connection with this girl, <laughs> and there's oh. like. <laughs> Uh, to me, it, it felt almost pedophilic, man. <laughs> it was so weird. There's no setup to it. There's. Was it supposed to be a father-daughter thing? Was it supposed to be romantic? I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> There's no explanation to it. Nothing in this movie worked. All right, so here's my thoughts. I, I was watching the first 10 minutes, and I go, wow, this feels like an episode of Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. Yeah, I was all on board at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when the so when the movie starts to unfold, it's, it's clear that the, there's a lack of story. I mean, the lack of story just becomes apparent. And it just becomes repetitive, this whole idea that Nicolas Cage has to fight off these demon-possessed animatronic creatures. And it just goes on and on and on and on. And look, that, that could work if your directing style is, is good. I mean, if you have some kind of style. some But the directing aesthetic kind of resembles a very cheap low-budget sci-fi movie i mean from the sci-fi network which is not it's something like 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 a shark uh turn or sharknado or something like that it really done pretty bad and i know kevin lewis uh he's the director and apparently he 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 almost lost his life uh during covid uh he got covid and uh like he was on the respirator uh, respirator hmm. and and he's just recently got out so you know i'm you know i'm I'm happy that you're out and you're feeling good and you're mm. back on your feet, but your movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and this is probably his best movie. Probably. I mean, obviously, uh, Nicolas Cage came on as a producer and I, I think he's really kind of... He's the reason this movie exists. Yeah, right? I mean, There's yeah, no way this the, movie would have gone this, greenly without him. It's the reason I like it. <laughs> And then he's leading into that whole idea that he is like this type of character, or this type of actor now. He's kind of like the new Christopher Lee. 
you know, back in the 80s. Like, there's a distinguished character or distinguished actor who's now doing really low-budget, shitty uh, horror movies, and um, which is fine. I mean, he, I mean, Nicolas Cage has, like, five more other films just like this coming out soon. I don't soon. know, man, but this is just such a step down from the last Nicolas Cage movie I saw, the one we reviewed, like, Color Out of Space. Yeah, yeah. true, true, like, true. Of I mean, this... He, I again, I just I didn't even have fun watching him because he didn't even he didn't even do anything. He didn't say anything. And then whenever he was kicking ass, this director and the cinematography was so bad that it was just kind of giving me a headache. Like nothing mm-hmm. looked good. Yeah. Like there was that's what I mean. Like even like the Kev, the Kevin Smith uh, <laughs> horror looks better than this. It looks a lot better than this because it, it, it at least looked like a movie. <laughs> Well, I, I I agree more with Raymond than I do with Rich, but let's let's grade it. Rich, what's you, what are you going to give Willy's Wonderland? I liked it. It's just I liked. So it's a C. So like okay. t- two stars out of five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I wasn't you know I'm going to over heels over but <laughs> I'm going to give this uh, one and a half stars uh, out of five because I I think that I, Nicolas Cage as a killing machine because this is basically he is a killing machine. In this movie, like a robot killing machine. Uh, this could have been awesome. This could have been awesome, and I like, I like for like I said, that, that first ten minutes really reminded me of a Tales from the Crypt episode, and so I, I give it a star and a half. Uh, Raymond, what's your grade? I hate Eli Roth movies, and Eli Roth would have knocked this out the park. <laughs> um, I give this uh, two out of ten. Oh wow! Okay. Oh, two out of ten. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's get into our final film that we, we saw this past week. It is the HBO Max film, Judas and the Black Messiah. This stars uh, Daniel Kalula. He's from Get Out, and he's from the Black Panther movie. And also Lakeith Stanfield. Also from Get Out. <laughs> also from Get Out, and also from Atlanta, and sorry to bother you. Deputy Chairman Fred Hampton of the Illinois Black Panther Party. This is the incredible and shocking true story of how Chicago Black Panther Party chairman Fred Hampton was secretly and unjustly investigated by the FBI in an attempt to destroy his reputation and eliminate the Black Power movement in the late 1960s. Uh, Kalula portrays Black Panther leader Fred Hampton in this. Uh, Stanfield plays William O'Neill. He is a petty car thief who, early in the movie, is arrested by the FBI. And uh, in exchange for his freedom, O'Neill agrees to be an FBI informant. His job is to infiltrate the Black Panther Party and spy on Hampton and document his whereabouts. Uh, Jesse Plemons co-stars as O'Neill's FBI special uh, agent handler. Uh, Dominic Fishbank uh, plays uh, Fred Hampton's girlfriend, Deborah Johnson. And there's a guest appearance by uh, Martin Sheen as FBI director J. Edgar Hoover. This is produced by Black Panther director Ryan Coogler. And this is directed and co-written by Shaka King. Raymond, uh, what's your thoughts on this movie? Well, uh, I didn't I didn't watch the trailers for this movie. I haven't really been watching trailers for any movies except if it's like for, you know, a franchise that I'm already like invested in or something like that. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, I've been having fun kind of going into these dramas like completely blank. 
And um, this movie has a great story. I mean, it, it has a really great plot. It has so many great elements. That cast is fantastic. I think this might be Daniel Kaluuya's best performance. I was, I was really blown away by him in this movie. I think he's fantastic. Uh, everyone in the movie is actually really good. Jesse Plemons, uh, Lakeith Stanfield. Um, but I was kind of let down by this movie. Mm. Um, I, I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's a good movie, but... I don't. I think it. I think it should be better. Yes, mm. I kind of agree. Yeah. Um. I don't know what exactly it is. So mm -hmm. maybe maybe Richard could help me out with this. I think maybe it's because the movie didn't know on which character to focus, or maybe they oh. didn't balance the two characters correctly. I'm not quite sure what it is really, but it's, something felt off about the movie. Um. I love many scenes in this movie. There's so many great scenes and. The, again, the performances are all great. It's, it's very well made. The cinematography is great. It's, it's well directed, but something, something's off. Rich, do you know what's off about this movie for you? I think Shaka King, um, the director and the co-writer, I think he did a fabulous job. But I, I think he needed a couple more years under his belt as uh, to take on this job, mm -hmm. um, because it was there was a little bit of storytelling. Um, that seemed more like of um, like a television type of uh, film, no. yeah. And but it didn't look like it. No, though. it didn't. It, it it just felt like it, and it was edited like um, on some scenes, like with Dominic Fishbeck when she's talking to Daniel uh, Kalula's character, mm -hmm. uh, and she's crying. They cut away from her, and that's that's that for that kind of scene. You know, she's giving it her all stay on her mm -hmm. and uh, she's given her her lines and you you stay on her while she's doing it and then then you go to daniel whatever then but uh you know just a little little knickknacks like that um but you still like the movie though i still like it, it it's 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 very good i mean especially for hbo max it's very good yeah i, I think mean, this is the best we all agree that this is probably the best hbo max original film so far <laughs> yeah well i i really like wonder <laughs> 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 for, for me because the thing is i think mm. this movie could have been better than black klansman and for me it's not mm. and it's a little frustrating i think uh lakeith we should have followed him a little bit more yeah i wanted more of the stuff that happens in the second half yeah, or, yeah. um like it feels like that just kind of rushed it right the second like everything in the second half of the movie just kind of it went by so quick and just kind of ended <laughs> i don't want it to get spoilery yeah, I mean, it, it made his character stupid, <laughs> but um, uh, well, he was desperate. He was a desperate was, man. Yeah, exactly, desperate. Mm -hmm. Why not give him some kind of like uh, he, uh some kind of uh, he was he was doing moves like he was um like someone uh, um who was uh, desperate and high, mm. and he was never high in this movie. Okay, why not give give him some kind or whatever? There's got to be. There he had to be a reason for him to be like um, so motivated to get to 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 turn on uh, Hampton, sometimes other than just you know money or whatever jail time. Right, yeah, right. I mean, uh, well, I think uh, uh, I'll say this: I think this is a, a remarkable film. I think I liked it more than you guys. I well, I definitely liked it more than you guys. I, I agree that this is not like say I like the movie though. Yeah, I think we all we all agree we all like the movie. 
right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I would say that, the, you know, if this came out 2020, this would not probably be my best. I mean, it wouldn't make my best of the year list, but it definitely would make my honorable mentions. Uh, yeah. So we're counting this as a 2020 movie or 2021? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure... I don't know. I'm, I'm not counting it as a 2020 movie because it came out. You okay. Know, uh, but I mean, I'm sure the Oscar it, it, it hits the Oscar deadline, and uh, uh, but I, yeah, I, like I said, it was. I think this is a remarkable film. I think Shaka King is a rising talent. He mm-hmm. directs this yeah. with a script that he co-wrote, and it, you know, this guy. <laughs> I thought this was his directorial debut, uh, but it's not. He did a, a movie called. Uh, he did a movie called Newly Weeds because uh, <laughs> he comes from a, a comedy background. He he has directed episodes on High Maintenance, which is an HBO comedy. Uh, the, the co-writers of this movie are the Lucas Brothers. <laughs> yeah, so he is fans. Of, the story behind that is that he is. Uh, friends with uh, the Lucas brothers who are stand-up comedians and they're the one who pitched this idea to him he, they they're the one who said oh, well we want to do a uh, how about you know a movie about Fred Hampton but in the way of departed and that's when uh, Shaka King goes that is a great pitch I love it let me let me let me work on this and let's r- r- write the, the screenplay together and I think that's what he got I think this is what it is this is part of like a biographical historical drama and also like a undercover informant thriller it's both it's both mm-hmm. and I think it's a great it's a, it's a strong balance I don't think and maybe that's maybe why you guys didn't like it you wanted either one more one side more than another but I thought it, I'm, it, I'm, I thought not, it, I'm not sure I, I just think that might have been the issue but I, I just think maybe the movie was a, a little Un- underdeveloped in aspects. Okay, for myself. Well, I, 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 I the thing, the the reason why I love this movie so so much is because of Lakeith Stanfield. His performance is yeah. a, in a captivating performance. It's a, it's a, it's an award worthy performance. And if this does make the Oscar deadline, I wish he gets a nomination because I think it is a complicated character he, he's playing. He's playing a guy who is, you know, this this thief who's an informant. He's supposed to uh, uh, keep an eye on Fred. Uh, Hampton and he, he is a rat he's a rat he's not a likable character mm-hmm. in this movie but he is so tortured in this film there's a scene in this movie where uh, uh Daniel Kalula his Fred Hampton's character he is there he knows that he's a, he's a he's going to be he knows he he knows he's in trouble and he's going to go to jail and in the scene, uh, they're talking to the other uh, Black Panther Party members, and everyone's talking about how they should, how, what he should do next. They, he should run or he should not run. And he, oh, yeah. Daniel Kaluta goes, uh, forget what what I'm supposed to do. Let's talk about what we're, what the party should be doing. We should talk about we should be talking about uh, building a clinic for the community. So he, he basically saying that uh, um, the the movement, this Black Panther movement, is not about me. It's about the people. And then it cuts to uh, Lakeith Stanfield looking so tortured, and he's he's it's it's, it's a powerful performance because it's, it's nothing on the page. There's just it's just Lakeith Stanfield's eyes, and he is. I mean, it's a it's a, it was a touching. I mean, I was blown away by that performance. I I I think Lakeith Stanfield is the best thing about this movie. I I do like Daniel Kalula, and I think a lot of people are talking about him. But I hope people more people talk about. Lakeith Stanfield's performance because I, it, I don't think anyone could play this character and no I don't think there's anyone else in this world could play that character in the way he did because it was a fascinating performance, and uh, um, but yeah I, I, the the thing is that Shaka King he, he never kind of forgets to entertain the audience with this with this with this movie he he understands that he needs to tell that undercover 
thriller plot line. But also, you know, he needs to explore the legacy of, of Fred Hampton. And I think he does it, uh, he, you know, the way he threads that needle, I think he does a, a very extraordinary job for someone who doesn't really have much on, under his belt. You know, a few uh, episodes and uh, just an, an independent movie, you know, like he I, I'm really it's a huge leap. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see where he goes next because he he does come from a comedy background. He might do a comedy or he might do another drama. Who knows? But it's an extraordinary accomplishment. That's why I kind of really love the movie. I agree mm. with you that it's not the one of the best movies of I've seen the last couple of months. But it's that I mean, I was really blown over by that Lakeith Stanfield's performance. I think that's yes. what made me really love the movie. For um, for me with Lakeith like he, uh, he's one of my favorite actors like working today and for while he's amazing in this movie like I've kind of just cu- come accustomed to just always getting great performances <laughs> from him that I just I didn't quite appreciate it as much as you guys cuz I, I I always see him give incredible performances. <laughs> Well, he did say I, – I, I did hear that in a recent interview. He said that after this movie, he went to therapy because he couldn't, oh, deal, with, he couldn't deal with it. I mean, it really affected him in, in a negative way or at least in, in a, you know, mean, meaningful way. Because he said, like, uh, when Shaka King offered him the, the, the script, he goes, read the script and tell me what you think about it. And goes, oh man, I love it! I love it! I can't believe I'm playing Fred Hampton. <laughs> I always wanted to. And and, and Shaka King goes, no, no, no you're playing uh, William O'Neill, the Rat. And he goes, what? <laughs> and so it t- it took a while for him to like like get used to that idea, and and apparently it took a toll on him. But yeah, like I was very impressed by his performance. Uh, and yeah, so let's grade this, uh, Rich. What what's you going to give this? I'm going to give it a B plus, uh, and I think. Uh, it's Little Ray Howard's best movie. <laughs> I'm going to give this four stars out of five. Uh, yeah, four stars out of five. Yeah, four out of five. Mine also. Yeah. yeah. So I can, yeah, okay. Yeah. So uh, Ra- uh, Raymond, what's your what's your grade? Uh, I'll go B. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We're all about the same. I I probably give it a B plus. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That was our uh, review of uh, the Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, yeah, so that's that's it for this episode of Inside Flicks. Uh, Rich, if people want to listen to our past episodes, where can they go? Uh, they can find everything in InsideFlicks.com. And if they want to just ask uh, Google, uh, go ahead. And uh, if they want to ask Alexa, go ahead and just say, uh, play me the latest episode of Inside Flicks podcast. All right. All right. That's it. Uh, next week, we're going to be, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to do something. We're going to, we're going to pick some movies and this gonna... next week's no man land. Oh yeah. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. That's it. All right. So uh, we'll be back next week with a new episode. Thank you for listening to Inside Flicks. All right. Bye-bye.